Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Today is Saturday, May 9th, 2020. On this day in 1994, 18-year-old Kleshendra Hall vanished without a trace from Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Today, we're covering the mysterious disappearance of Kleshendra Hall. She was last seen getting into the unknown car of an unknown person. Let's go back to Pine Bluff, Arkansas on Monday, May 9th, 1994, just before 5 p.m. Kleshendra Hall, Clea for short, sat in the passenger seat of her mother's car. She buckled her seatbelt as her mother, Laurel, started the engine. Clea looked at herself in the side-view mirror. She'd gotten her hair done for the prom, and she stole every glance she could to make sure it was still looking good, even several days later. As she drove, Laurel spoke with Clea about her plans for the future. Her high school graduation was only two weeks away, after all. Clea was excited about the coming ceremony. She would graduate with high marks, then spend the summer interning in Boston. Once the internship was over, she planned on studying pre-med at Tennessee State University. Her dream was to become a pediatrician and help heal sick children. Clea had always loved kids and even spent her Sundays volunteering at the church nursery. Her high school job even involved children, at least peripherally. Clea worked as a cleric for Dr. Larry Amos. Dr. Amos ran a food program funded by a federal grant providing supplies to daycares and childcare services throughout the city. Clea was headed to his home office for work that very night. Once the car stopped, Clea got out and walked to the office door. Laurel watched until her daughter was safely inside, then returned home. Laurel set about her nightly tasks, waiting for a call from her daughter to come pick her up. Around 8 p.m., the phone rang. Laurel picked up the receiver to hear Clea on the other end. Laurel asked if Clea needed a ride home, but Clea declined, at least at the moment. Clea intended to work a little longer, but she said she would call again as soon as she was ready to return home. Thinking nothing of it, Laurel hung up the phone. She watched television as she waited for the phone to ring again. The screen flickered and her eyes hung heavy until finally she fell asleep. Her husband, Willie Hall, returned home sometime after midnight. Laurel awoke at his arrival, realizing in her drowsiness that the phone never rang. She asked her husband to check if Clea had returned home on her own, but as he checked her room and the house as a whole, it became clear she hadn't. At 12.45 a.m., Laurel called Dr. Amos's phone. She believed he would be asleep, so she expected it to ring a while. But Dr. Amos picked up almost immediately. Laurel asked what had happened to her daughter, and Dr. Amos said that she had left around 8.30 p.m. 
In fact, he claimed he had seen her get into a car, but he didn't know who was driving. Laurel immediately called the police, desperate to report her daughter as missing. But because Clea was 18, the police advised her that they could not open a missing persons report until 24 hours had passed. They reassured her that her daughter would show up eventually, then asked her to call again the next day. Unfortunately, this would prove to be a dire mistake. Kleshendra Hall would never be seen again. When we return, we'll discuss the investigation into Clea's disappearance and its many failures. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click gift mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Now back to the story. On Monday, May 9, 1994, Kleshendra Clea Hall disappeared from her employer, Dr. Larry Amos's home office. Initially, Dr. Amos claimed that Clea had gotten into a vehicle driven by an unknown person around 8.30 p.m. Clea's mother, Laurel, called the police almost immediately. But because Clea was 18 years old, a legal adult, the police had to wait 24 hours before a missing persons report could be filed. Anxious, Laurel began looking into her daughter's disappearance on her own. She went to Clea's school the next morning to find that Clea had not arrived. She contacted one of Clea's closest male friends, only to discover that he had not seen Clea either. Laurel was convinced something dreadful had happened to her daughter. Once 24 hours had passed, she called the police again. They filed an official report, but the information contained within was sparse. 18-year-old black female, 5859, 120 pounds, last seen wearing a white two-piece short set imprinted with large navy blue polka dots on the shorts and navy blue stripes on the blouse, white socks, white sneakers, small stud earrings, and a white bow-type ponytail holder. With the report submitted, Laurel waited for the police to act, but they failed to do much of anything. Officers believed that Clea must have run away and that she would show up eventually. In response, Laurel began printing missing persons posters and placing them all over the city. She tied pink ribbons to her home and to local light poles to remind people of Clea. The police agreed to place the pink ribbons on their cruisers, even as they lagged behind on their investigation. Finally, they were spurred into action when Clea's father, Willie, witnessed something strange. As Willie was driving around town, he spotted Dr. Amos tearing down some of Clea's missing person posters. 
Willie found this particularly odd as Dr. Amos was the last person to see Clea alive. Upon hearing about this strange activity, police were forced to admit that Clea's vanishing smelled of foul play. They began interviewing witnesses, and two weeks after Clea's disappearance, they searched Dr. Amos's home for evidence. Yet, during the search, they found nothing. Over time, it became clear that the police investigation would find nothing of value. Kleshendra Hall had vanished. For years, Laurel and Willie Hall kept their daughter's memory alive, releasing balloons to commemorate her disappearance every year on her birthday. Yet as they prayed for any sign of her return, they got a brief glimpse of hope nearly 18 years later in March 2012. An unknown informant had gone to the police and made sworn statements pertaining to Dr. Amos and his suspicious behavior. This informant claimed to have seen a false wall inside the residence containing blood on the insulation. The informant also claimed that the body was buried on the property at 5309 Fawcett Road in a hole where bricks, rocks, and powdered concrete were used to cover up something. Based on this information, police acquired a search warrant, and on March 29, 2012, police searched Amos's home and office much more thoroughly. They did not find a body buried in the yard, but they did discover that the tip about a false wall and suspicious insulation was spot on. They took pieces of the wall for testing and told the public that they would have answers as soon as the lab finished their tests. Optimistic, the public and the Hall family waited patiently. They waited and waited and waited, only to hear nothing. On May 7th, they asked the police about the delay, only to discover on May 8th that the police had never sent the evidence to the lab at all. Instead, the evidence had sat in a warm locker for over a month, potentially damaging any DNA present. A crime scene technician and the lead detective were suspended for mishandling the evidence, and it was finally sent to the lab to be tested, but it was too late. Tests indicated that the evidence was not coated in blood, and DNA tests were inconclusive. The police were left with no leads once again, and the case remains open to this day. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. If you enjoyed this episode, you may also enjoy the ParCast original, Gone, where we investigate the disappearances of all sorts of things. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Anthony Valsic, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Giles Hovseth, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 